Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Metadata. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 169 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In our last episode, we discussed the very hot topic of virtual reality and how it might actually impact lawyers. In this episode, we push out even further into the new universe of the internet and the fascinating world of bots and how they are coming to dominate internet traffic and have a bigger and bigger impact on the internet at large. Tom, what's on our agenda for this episode? Well, like you say, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we'll be discussing the wild west of bots and other automated software apps. In our second segment, we're going to share our thoughts from ABA Tech Show 2016, which just finished up a couple weeks ago. And as usual, we'll finish with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start to use the second this podcast is over. But first, let's talk about the wild and wacky world of bots, uh, how there are good bots, how there are bad bots, and whether using bots should be or could be in your future as a lawyer. At ABA Tech Show this year, there was a lot of talk in a lot of sessions about artificial intelligence and how the larger firms were making use of AI, uh, being able to do some really amazing things um, in law firms. But there weren't a lot, there wasn't a lot of talk about what I would consider to be AI's little brothers and sisters. And we're going to call it a bot. And I think we're going to define it shortly here. But we're starting to see some really interesting uses made of these relatively simple bots, even some that lawyers could use and potentially get into. Dennis, bots aren't new. They've been around for a while in formats that aren't particularly interesting, but a lot of people still don't understand what they are and what they're good for. Do you want to give us some background on bots? So, Tom, I was doing the research for the show, and I know you'll talk about how you started experimenting with bots on Slack, and you got all excited about it, and I kind of chuckled at you. And then I was doing the research on this, and even right before the podcast, I found myself wanting to have my own bots and to create my own bots. And <laughs> I, I kind of like you know, stepped off the edge of the cliff on bots. So I think it is actually a surprisingly exciting area. So what got me interested is that we recently turned a corner where more than 50% of internet traffic is not generated by humans. It's done by these bots, spiders, scrapers. There's a whole taxonomy of these things. So if we turn, of course, to the Wikipedia to say, what is a bot? And for those of you who might wonder what we are saying, it's B-O-T, which is a shortened form of web robot or internet robot. So the accepted definitions, it's a software application that runs automated tasks or scripts over the internet. What's appealing about these is they do relatively simple things and they do them much faster than humans. And it's the exceptional speed that gives it the benefits and it results in both good, it can do good things and it can do bad things. So a lot of times you associate the term bot with botnet and bad things and malicious things, but it does go back a long way. And sort of the classic uses of bots was something called spiders, which is 
what the search engines sent out to index the internet and they would visit websites and they would grab information or sometimes called scraping sites to get information. And so bots are those scripts that run over the internet and they're taking over internet traffic, Tom. Yeah, and I want to focus on, I think that's a good macro view of what a bot is and what bots are. But for me, the big question is, why are they becoming a little bit more popular now? And part of this, part of the reason that made me decide I wanted to talk about this subject is that at the Microsoft Build Conference last week, as we were recording, it was a week prior to our recording, Microsoft essentially came and said that bots are the future and that they plan on introducing bots everywhere. And I was trying to figure out what is it that makes the bots so popular and why are we seeing kind of a rise of a specific kind of bot these days. And here's where I think the past, the bot has been something that in the background has done crawling around and has done some automated things sort of behind the scenes. I think they're coming to the foreground now. And part of the reason is, is that I think it has something to do with the battle for what we would call maybe the next great platform. And that's text messaging, is that developers and companies are finding out that it's difficult to grab eyeballs and grab attention in an app. People won't download an app to interact with an assistant, but what if you had an assistant who would chat with you in text messaging and you're just in your regular text messaging app and there's someone who will chat with you and will provide services to you directly from text message. That's where everybody's spending their time these days. They're in Facebook Messenger, they're in SMS, they're in WhatsApp, they're in all sorts of different messaging apps and that's where I think these bots are headed. They're going to text messaging because the technology is very simple. It's it's very easy to grasp once you've actually started using one of these. But I think that we'll, and we're going to talk about some of the features later, but I really am intrigued by the idea that they are going for where the eyeballs are spending most of their time these days, which is in that text message, instant message, the messaging platform. Yeah, and, and that would be the notion, I think, what they would call chatbots. I was sort of chuckling as you used the Microsoft statement as an example of you know why the world's going to bots and how they saw that because was a week or so ago Microsoft put up a bot. Um, Tay. That was, that was going to chat with people on Twitter and learn how to respond and be sort of human-like responses. And out on Twitter, people took advantage of this poor bot and had it making racist and other offensive comments in fairly short order so that Microsoft had to pull it down. And, and so I think that obviously that illustrates a lot of things, not just about our human condition and Twitter and and the poor bots and what they face. But I think it does illustrate one of the things about bots is that people have realized that they can be programmed in a way to mimic human interaction. And so there are examples where these bots, say like in a chat, a chat bot where they do responses and you're able to do sort of sequence of responses even where people would think they're actually talking to a human. And you know, as compared to saying I call, you know, I call an 800 number and I go through voicemail and I wait, uh, if I'm getting a chat bot that figures out what I'm saying and sort of, you know, instant message me back an example that's responsive, it's probably a better and in some ways it might even feel like a more human experience. So I, I think that 
I agree with you, Tom. I, th- I think that the chatbot or instant messaging or where you have that sort of human-like response that people can program and tweak so it actually is helpful to people is a very interesting area of development for bots. Well, and it's not just the human element. It's the helpfulness element. I think that the primary benefit of bots for most people, and we're going to talk about lawyers in general, is performing routine tasks that humans don't have time for, that they would otherwise want somebody else to do for them. So let's come back real quick to Microsoft. And you're right, the experiment with Tay, I would call a learning process. You know, they introduced this AI bot out there and people quickly taught it to be racist and deny the Holocaust and to say sexist things. And they they pulled it and then they brought it back. You know, a couple of days later, when they brought it back, it wasn't quite so bad, but it was making comments about smoking pot in front of the police. And it was interesting interesting how easily influenced it was by the people that it interacted with. But let's flip the coin and talk about what Microsoft also has in mind. The first one is kind of of frivolous, but nevertheless interesting. There is a bot within Skype, and I've now completely blanked on the name of it, but they've added a bot within Skype, and you can add it as a contact. And when you go and try to talk to it, it's what they call a what-if bot. And again, completely frivolous. So if you wanted to say something like, what if Betty White were Wonder Woman and it thinks for a while and it comes back and literally it will show you a picture of Wonder Woman with Betty White's face superimposed on the face of Wonder Woman and you tell it by emoticons whether you smile or frown whether they got close to what you were looking for and if you keep frowning it'll keep bringing you back pictures and trying to get to you what if something were something I'm intrigued by how much it thinks about that sort of thing. To get even smarter, Microsoft was talking about how in Skype you could be having a conversation with someone else and talking about a particular conference that's happening in Chicago in two weeks, and the bot that would be invited to your conversation would be smart enough at the end of that conversation to say, I noticed you're thinking about going to Chicago. Do you want me to make a hotel reservation for you? You say yes. They would then go and find the Weston bot, because Weston's got its own bot, and say, please book two rooms at these dates in Chicago. And you can have that kind of intelligent engagement where it anticipates what you want and is able to perform those things automatically, saving you time in the process. And you're talking about what the future of bots will be. And I think that even the simple bots are really fascinating in, in what they can do. And so an example I was reading about today was somebody was a programmer who could do their own bot and they're pretty simple, said, my favorite restaurant has a crab bisque soup that I love, but they don't have it every day. And it's kind of a pain for me to go try to figure out which days they have it. So he wrote a bot that would go out to that website, and we're sort of speaking conceptually here, goes out to the website, grabs the menu, searches for the word crab. If it finds it, it notifies him that the crab soup is on the menu that day. And that's a pretty cool thing. And it's totally simple. And so that's, to me, that's an example of things that a bot could do. In the early days on eBay, I think people had the experience where somebody would create a bot that would be able to jump in at the last minute and increment up a bid to win an auction at the last minute. People wrote bots to automate tasks in online games. And so there's a whole bunch of things like that. And then I think to the extent that people have run into all the CAPTCHA things where it says, we need to know that you're a human and, you know, type in these 
letters and numbers that are really difficult to read and that I type in wrong most of the time, those are designed to keep a site from being bombarded by bots. And so you're trying to prove that you are a human against these bots that are, have done a, a fairly successful job up to that point of fooling people into thinking that they're human. Yeah, and I agree with you. There are a number of really interesting uses of bots these days, and, and I'll just give my examples before we kind of turn to, to lawyers and bots. You're talking about the crab soup. I'm going to take a slightly lower turn for a bot. You had mentioned earlier that I had been experimenting with bots within Slack. Slack is one of the tools that has introduced a number of integrations with bots that can help automate things within Slack. And one enterprising bot creator created a Slack toilet bot so that whenever the toilet stall down the hallway was empty, he put a sensor in the bathroom. Whenever it was empty, it would notify you on Slack, which is probably not the highest and best use of a bot, but still, nevertheless, the perfect use of how to create a bot like that. The one that I thought that actually comes closest to having a utilization or application to lawyers and how they do things is a bot that you and I had a little bit of fun with called Howdy. And Howdy allows you to create stand-up meetings or status meetings with you and your team. You just go in and you train it. You can tell it what questions to ask. So let's say that you have a particular case that you want to have a weekly status meeting on with your team of lawyers. You can go into this and train it to ask three different questions about, you know, what's new with this case? Are there any calls I need to make? Are there any depositions schedule for this week? And you you can run that bot so that it automatically goes out to your team, goes out to everybody. They can give their own responses, and the bot then packages those answers up, brings it back to you, and in a nice little report so that if you don't have time for a meeting or you, for some reason you've got other things to do, you've got that information and you've gotten an update from them automatically. So I think that's sort of the way that I'm seeing it be more useful to, again, to help do things that lawyers don't have time to do themselves. And I, I think there's uh, there's certainly customer service bots. So I was looking at cars recently, and every time I went out to dealer side, boom, somebody was ready to uh, answer my questions by text. And I don't think there was actually a person sitting there who noticed that I was on the website. It's but awful a, fast, isn't it? I think a bot was programmed to respond to that. And so when I typed in the question, then that text would go to a, a real person who would be able to answer it. But it was... I think it was also finding who was available to answer that text. So that's an interesting thing. So I, I think as lawyers, you know, start to think about this, uh, it's not so much the futuristic stuff, but you could say, I could, here's something, a feature I could add to my website that maybe, you know, responds to basic inquiries or, you know, provides a way, uh, you, you know, a more friendly way to contact someone at the firm. Um, so you can go out and kind of get bots that do that. Tom, I just want to step back for one second to say that there are good uses of bots and there are bad uses. And I, I think we need to acknowledge that, that bots have gotten a bad name over the years. And so there are bots that people assemble into botnets that will then yep. launch uh, the denial of services attacks and do other bad things. And then people also use bots on sites to generate 
tons of comments to either harass someone or to bury real comments and sort of drown out the noise. So there are some bad things about bots. And, you know, I developed this whole thing called Capture just because of what bots were doing. But lots of really good uses. And, and I mean, the search engines were built with these bots that went out and spidered the web and, and, and saw what was there. And I think that spidering notion is one example. Like, so customer service might be an example. Lawyers would do it. Uh, you might be able to do a bot that uh, looks at certain websites and pulls information about clients or other things that you're interested in, in the same way that the crab soup type of bot would work. Um, so there are a number of things out there. And so to me, I, I see this as sort of like a lightweight scripting that takes advantage of the internet to accomplish fairly focused tasks is probably the best way that I think of can think of to describe bots. So I don't know, Tom, other ideas that you might have that lawyers might use bots, and then we probably need to talk about like, how do we get our own bots? <laughs> well, I, so I want to actually come back to your suggestion about using bots for customer service. And I will say that that is a concern. I hadn't really thought about it until now. That's a concern that I do have about whether bots are the right tool for some level of customer service. And, and this is part of my ignorance about how it actually works. But I've been on a many, many law firm sites. And, and I would say that most of the law firm sites where I've seen this happen have been personal injury related sites, where if I'm on the website for longer than about 10 seconds, a box will pop up saying, hey, can I help you? I'm ready to talk to you about your case. And clearly it's a bot because it's midnight when I'm looking at the website. There's nobody, I know that there's nobody from the law firm sitting there waiting for me to get onto their website. And so, you know, my question there is when does the bot interaction stop and the human interaction begin? And I think that in order to provide good customer service that potential clients can trust, there's going to have to be some level of understanding of, you know, when they're actually talking to a law firm and when they're talking to a robot instead. And I think that's one issue that I, I might be interested to learn more about how these bots work and whether they do, um, whether they can be misleading because people think they're talking to a real person and they're really talking to a robot instead. In a way, there I sometimes think of bots as sort of this reverse form of alerts, you know. So you could say, oh, you could do a bot that, uh, you know, checked out the, uh, you know, like the federal court records and let you know that something happened in your case. Well, you can go the opposite route where there's alerts that are coming to you. So it's it's kind of like a different focus. So the bot is acting on your behalf. And so I think that the bots sort of, and there's there's all sorts of different types, but I, but I think they accomplish some things that I can sometimes think of other ways you could do that. You say RSS feed, email alerts. Uh, we've talked about if this then that before that sort of thing, you know. So so it's an interesting area, but it's it's they become one way of accomplishing something that maybe you can can do in in some other other ways. So I don't know, Tom, you ready to talk about? Uh, you've you've found yourself ways to do Slack bots, but if uh, somebody wants to experiment with their own bots or see what's out there, what what are the the things that you've found that they might try? 
So the one that I would recommend that everybody try for a really basic, basic bot experience is go to um, a website called Assistant, and I'll put a link in the show notes. But uh, Assistant will work within your text messaging. It'll work within Facebook Messenger. I think there are a couple of other apps. You just tell the service which messaging tool you use. And then I did it in Facebook Messenger, and I started talking to Assistant in there, and it performs basic services to you. So you can order an Uber, or you can uh, book a room, or make reservations someplace, or order flowers for somebody. And you give it basic information, it brings you back that information, it then allows you to book it and go off-site and do other things. So it's really a very basic, you know, command and retrieval bot But the fact that it's happening within your instant messaging almost makes you feel like you're talking to someone. It's a very basic experience, but I think it's a good start to to start with some. What about you, Dennis? Well, I think that what was interesting to me as I sort of fell off the deep end in the last hour or so before uh, we did the podcast was that uh, there are a number of services that kind of make it really easy for you to create simple bots. And it seems like there are a couple of varieties. So the Slack bot, Twitter bots, so it might be specific to one service. So you would have opportunities within a service to enhance uh, your experience within a service. And, you know, Twitter's an example, Slack's an example, that sort of thing. And then there are other places where you can say, I would like to do this. And it puts the script together for you in a way that you can use. And some of them are pretty simple and, and they have a, you know, like a laundry list of, of things that you can, can choose from. Then also you might want to learn a little scripting on your own. This is how bad it got for me, Tom. I, I was looking through the resource sites and somebody says, here's this book. And I went to Amazon and I was this close to spending $25 <laughs> on a book about uh, bots and, and spiders. Uh, the only thing that stopped me was the book was a couple years old. So I was concerned that it wouldn't be up to date enough. Even though I know nothing, I was still concerned it wasn't going to be up to date enough for you know, helping me create my bot empire. So I, I think that I would take advantage of the sort of cloud-based, you know, templated tools and experiment with what's out there. But I go back to where you you started, Tom, is I think in that world of chatbots is probably a, a really interesting uh, place to experiment and probably be more fun than the sort of scraping sites, pulling that information looking for ways that bots can interact with APIs and and pull out information from other sites, those sorts of things, which could be really valuable over time. But I think probably what will help you understand what bots do and the power of them will be playing with those chat bots like you have, Tom. Yep. No, I definitely agree. I think that's uh, that's where to start right now. And I think we're both looking forward to seeing where things go from here. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsor. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. Hey, 
And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy. And I'm Tom Mile. Tech Show Reflections. Every year, Dennis, you come up after Tech Show and say you want to talk about our reflections of just having attended ABA Tech Show. Every year, I am hesitant to do so because I, and I tell you this, because I never actually get to attend the conference. I'm so busy working for the conference. I'm volunteering something. I might be presenting. I might be meeting with my colleagues in legal technology. So I'm always hesitant to talk about this. So I'll, I'll just ask you the question. Dennis, do we really have anything to tell people about ABA Tech Show this year? Well, I... I sometimes wonder if I have just much more interesting experiences uh, at Tech Show than than you do. But I think actually, that's unfair. We, we, we did so much together that I'm surprised you're saying this this year because I I think we sat down and had a really interesting conversation with some of our friends at Thomson Reuters about some of the new stuff they're doing. Um, and as any time that people talk to us, the conversation becomes really wide ranging and learn some things there. Uh, talked to some other vendors I wasn't aware of. Met tons of new people, uh, Adriana Linares and I. And, and in one of the episodes you did is uh, you were on as well. We did a live video cast interviewing people. And we had some interesting guests and some really interesting conversations. And I had one conversation from, from that that was talking about how uh, we could use technology in, in really new ways and what was what was happening. And that went on for about an hour after the conversation. And that's what I found cool about Tech Show every year, and especially this year, is that it goes back to the thing where you really want to go to sessions, but the most interesting thing that happens at conferences happens in the halls and outside the the sessions and at the beer for bloggers events and at the dinners and, and other things like that. And that's, that's where I think tech show excels. And so I don't know that I come back saying, oh my God, there are just like these amazing new technologies around the corner, but there's certainly developments that are, are starting to come together. And it's nice to be at a conference that isn't so focused on e-discovery as other tech conferences can be. And to see all the things that are going on out there and, and to sort of have the feeling there's a, a an energy in legal tech this year that I haven't seen probably in a good number of years. So that was my reaction, Tom. So here's why I'm hesitant about answering this question. It's because I believe that Tech Show, like most conferences, but I'm, you know, I'm partial to Tech Show and I have a good soft spot in my heart for it, is that a conference, how effective a conference is and how good a conference is depends on what you expect to get out of it. I'm going to go out on a limb and make a prediction that a lot of the people who listen to this podcast would be interested in the substantive content of the sessions. Now, I, I'm not going to argue with you that there is so much value to be had by networking, not only with your attendees and understanding what they're doing and the struggles and the challenges and the new things that they're finding, but also the fact that Tech Show is so, you know, makes its faculty so accessible to everybody so that you can talk with people who legitimately are experts in all of these different 
different areas. That's definitely the value there. But, you know, to go to a conference that is designed to provide educational content and not get that content, I think is missing something if that's where you want to be. I mean, like I've said, I'd love to get that education if I could. I'd love to go in and look and see what's new. What am I missing? What are the new developments that I need to to pay attention to? My focus at Tech Show is different. Like you said, I go and catch up with people that I haven't talked to in a while. Our friends at Thomson Reuters, our friends at Inside Legal. Um, We will meet with, with, with vendors and talk to them. I spend a lot of time volunteering at Tech Show because I like to, and you do too, we, we spend time at the concierge booth helping people. We I spent time at the publications booth doing that. So that's why it's a little bit different for me. But to me, that's kind of what makes Tech Show the whole experience. It's not just a conference. It's a whole lot more. You're... Um, I really view Tech Show and, by extension, what the Law Practice Division does as being, you know, a great service to lawyers because it's all about providing resources that matter. And whether those resources are educational sessions or whether they're just the people that you get to talk to, um, having access to them in one place like this, I think, is really, really valuable. So that's kind of my experience, and it really never changes, even though I don't get to go to the educational sessions. But your mileage may vary. and um, and I, I think that until you go and try it for yourself, you're not going to know what the best experience is for you at, at Tech Show. And in fairness, our audience should know that one of the reasons you don't make it to sessions is because uh, I'm talking to you and just get you distracted. So you actually miss the start of sessions and you're too polite to walk into the middle of sessions. We, we do talk entirely too much at Tech Show. <laughs> that is true. But our fans expect to see us talking together. Or are not surprised if that happens. (laughs) So now it's time for our parting shots. That one tip, website, or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. So I'm very intrigued by a uh, new service called Cast. It's just called C-A-S-T, and the website is... Tricast, T-R-Y-C-A dot S-T. I'll put the link in the show notes. And it's a service that allows you to record, produce, and publish your own podcasts within a web browser. It's dead simple to use. It is a little bit basic because it is a web browser, but it allows you to, on one area, you can enter the studio. You can invite guests to your podcast. So it's not just you making the recording. It's going to record everything you and your guests say. Then you move into the mixing area where you can add background music. You can add voiceovers. You can add a couple of different tracks to it. It's a fairly basic editing tool. And then you go to the next place and you can publish it. You get your own RSS feed. You can post it to iTunes. It will host host your podcast, um, and it makes it just dead simple to do a podcast. So if you're interested, if you've never done a podcast and you want to say, hey, what's all this about? There's a 30-day free trial. It's not terribly expensive if you want to do it as a hobbyist. It's $10 a month um, for unlimited uh, bandwidth and unlimited subscriptions. You, you do, you're limited to 10 hours of recording per month, but I think that's pretty manageable. It's a really interesting and unique way of looking at podcasting, and if you're ever interested in it, I think it's worth a shot cast. And I want to mention uh, a series of video casts that have been recorded and are on the Legal Talk Network site that I did uh, with our good friend, the the next chair of ABA Tech Show, a Legal Talk Network podcast host herself and president of the Kennedy Mile Report podcast fan club, Adriana Linares. Adriana has had this dream for, we say, 10 years of doing a live video 
podcast of interviews and discussion about what was happening at Tech Show during Tech Show. And I always encouraged her to do it. And so I ended up co-hosting with her. And it was really fun. The Legal Talk Network people were amazing. Um, put this together. Really great guests, really interesting discussions. We'll put a link in the show notes so you can find it on the Legal Talk Network site. But I think some really interesting discussions, not about what was, uh, both about what was happening at Tech Show, but some really larger, interesting technology, access to justice, different types of approaches to uh, the economics of law, conversations that happened. And uh, it took us a long time to actually get a show like that on the air, but I'm, I'm looking forward to doing it again in the future because I, I think it worked out really well. And I got to sub in for Adrian on one of those interviews, and I will say it was really interesting and fun talking to people who are a whole lot smarter than me on a bunch of issues. So uh, it was good and very well worth a listen. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes on the Legal Talk Network site where you can find archives of all of our previous podcasts or within your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com or send us a tweet. I'm at Tom Mile and Dennis is at Dennis Kennedy. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. Hey, help us out by uh, sending us some questions, and we'd love to turn your questions into our second segment in future shows. So uh, send those questions in. We'd love to uh, connect with our audience and use your questions as part of the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.